Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister gives his thoughts on the American election. Of course, what happens in the United States uh, is going to be impacting Canada uh, after the election. Uh, but uh, our job is to be ready for all outcomes. And uh, as you know, as a matter of course, I don't uh, comment or weigh in on uh, American uh, political processes. A $1.8 billion investment in making zero emission electric vehicles in Canada. We must recognize that the natural environment in which we all live has been changing for decades. And we must accordingly take bold steps towards environmental sustainability. The economy also continues to evolve and Canada must lead the way. And warnings out of Ontario that long weekend gatherings could become super spreader events. Celebrate with your close household family members. That's not just not a nice suggestion, that's a reality test because we're seeing these numbers going. And if we don't get a handle on this, we're going to have to deal with more stringent measures. We don't want to face a lockdown. It's Friday, October the 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. We are heading into the Thanksgiving weekend, and in some parts of the country, particularly Ontario and Quebec, there have been this week... Uh, significant numbers of people infected with the coronavirus, record numbers in some parts of the country. Uh, There is a lot of concern, obviously, about the second wave. What do you think as we head into the Thanksgiving weekend, and and, uh, what's happening at different levels of government to try to stop this from spreading even further? Well, basically what we saw happen yesterday was the highest ever one-day increase in provinces like Ontario and even Alberta. 364 cases in that province. Um, And what we saw were medical (laughs) experts come out, medical officers, and say, please don't make Thanksgiving a super spreader event, Um, encouraging us to stay home, uh, not to host anybody, not to go to anybody's um, Thanksgiving dinners. And then if you do go to Thanksgiving dinner, not to share utensils, uh, not to make... to encourage us to physically distance. I mean, I don't know how you physically distance a picnic table length away from people across the table from you. I mean, that would be a very, very big dining room table. Um, but they basically begging us to stay home. Um, and uh, I think for some, uh, the, the directives uh, have been quite confusing. And frankly, they have been ever-changing and they're not the same across the country. I mean, we even saw the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, um, erroneously uh, explain that he was planning on having Thanksgiving dinner with 10 people and then was reminded that actually uh, the the latest medical directives were that you should only have uh, Thanksgiving dinner with people in your immediate household. (laughs) You shouldn't be having 10 people over for Thanksgiving dinner. So, I mean, even the Premier was confused this week about what uh, the guidelines are um, in terms of, of hosting people in your own home, whether that's indoors or outdoors. And I think, I mean, you and I have talked about this, but I think that there there is a lot of confusion when you see that the the medical officers are telling us, you know, be prepared for the second wave. And at the same time, the economy, um, things are mostly open. Yeah, uh, restrictions are being go- lifted and, and, and there's almost a tacit encouragement to go out and frequent local businesses to support them. 
even though that might be in conflict with the messages we're getting about staying away from each other. Exactly. So I think in some provinces, the message is clear. Like Quebec has basically told people, do not go out. Like go, go to work, go to school and come back home and don't leave the house unless you absolutely have to in terms of going to the grocery store. But then again, there's the asterisk. Well, you can go shopping if you need to. I mean, the in in uh, restaurant dining is still open. You can still go to the hairdressers. Uh, you can basically still do anything that you were able to do in July. And yet these numbers are ballooning like we have never seen before. All right, let's turn to the announcement that was made yesterday involving the Prime Minister and the Ontario government, including Premier Doug Ford, about electric vehicles, uh, a $1.8 billion investment. Um, And this government, the federal government, has talked for a long time about stimulating and investing in a green economy going forward. This is obviously a big example of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what that announcement means and if there is the capacity to create this kind of economic development through government investment. Well, that's a big question, and I guess we will see if um, this is a three-year deal. It was uh, announced actually last month. I think we may even have talked about it a little bit. But the the big uh, announcement where everybody pats each other's backs and congratulates each other on doing a great job that happened on Thursday. Basically, the federal government and the province of Ontario are each pitching in $295 million to overhaul for its Oakville assembly plant to manufacture electric vehicles and batteries. And as you mentioned, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was talking about how he hopes this will give Canada a global edge competitively against other uh, countries in terms of uh, battery production. Um, He said he also hopes that this will give a boost to homegrown mining companies, companies that produce nickel, for example, and other metals that are used in the vehicle batteries. Um, It was interesting uh to see uh, you know ford basically being asked you know like you canceled uh, a tax credit so people could get um green vehicles and now here you are pumping in 295 million dollars into a plant um so what well, perhaps you know i don't know the answer to your question frankly mark uh and we will see whether those jobs end up staying in this country and whether those jobs actually end up making a difference in terms of Canada's global competitive edge and Canada's ability to meet uh, its its climate targets, but mostly I think also that that liberal promise of being net zero by 2050. Um, But what was interesting, I would say, from yesterday's press conference was that everybody seems to be rowing in the same direction. And again, we saw that cooperativeness that we saw from the spring uh, between Ford and Trudeau um, and this idea that in this country, at least, especially compared to what we have been seeing for the last several weeks in the United States, people of different political parties are working together. Um, and Ford made it very clear, you know, that he knows that a lot of people who voted for him also voted for Justin Trudeau and they both, it is in both of their interests to be working together. Now, at that event and at other times, Justin Trudeau has been asked about the American election, which is just over three weeks away now. And uh, he spoke yesterday about how Canada is braced for potential disruptions if the result of the election is in dispute in some way uh, or if there is volatility 
uh, as a result of the outcome. Um, it's obviously very unusual uh, for a, a prime minister to be commenting on an election. I'm not sure if he did cross a line or not, but what did you make of, of what he said? This is the most we have heard the prime minister say about the U.S. election. I don't think he crossed a line. He didn't come out and say, I hope Joe Biden wins, although we all know that that is probably what the prime minister thinks. Um, (laughs) Nobody in the prime minister's office is looking forward to another four years of uh, chaos caused by Donald Trump. But he did say that... And it's worth noting that's probably what most Canadians think. There are obviously Donald Trump supporters in Canada, but if... Uh, but uh, polls show that that uh, Justin Trudeau would be on the side of a lot of Canadians if he said he wanted Joe Biden to win, even though that's not an appropriate thing to do as a foreign leader. Absolutely. And frankly, it's probably what um, people in most um, capitals, at least in the Western world, also think. I think everybody is, almost everybody is on side on that one. Um, but anyways, yes, the Prime Minister did say that he hoped for a clear result. Um, what was interesting is that he says that the government is preparing for all eventualities. Uh, you know, there has been talk about the fact that it, it might appear on election night that Donald Trump has won a sweeping victory um, because of the people who go vote in person on election day, as opposed to those who send in their ballots, their mail-in ballots, uh, which um, is widely believed to be mostly Democrat voters, and that once the ballots start being counted and the tally comes in, then it will look and it it will be that um, Vice President Biden has won. Um, anyway, so it was interesting to see the Prime Minister weigh in on that. Um, he also talked about how actually that he had watched clips of the debate. Um, and what he said again was what he um, what he talked about with Ford was that, you know, here everybody's working together and that um, this is a thing, something that he appreciates and he likes the fact that it's not very polarized in this country. Um, So uh, we will see. But it's, I think there may be some comfort in knowing that uh, the government is preparing for the possibility that there may be some disruption um, and that it is ready for any outcome. I mean, could even be potentially violent, right? So much of our economy depends on what's happening in the United States. So um, yeah. the government is, is keeping an eye on that. Just quickly as we wrap up, Althea, uh, Jagmeet Singh has uh, brought up once again the idea of a super wealth tax, in this case on companies making big profits during the coronavirus. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that idea uh, briefly as we wrap up. Yeah, Jagmeet Singh says he wants a tax on people who have benefited from the pandemic, and he um, talked about mega grocery stores. He said that 20 of the the top 20 richest people are now $40 billion richer than they were before the pandemic hit. And he actually asked the Prime Minister this question in question period on Thursday. The Prime Minister said he had absolutely no interest in uh, putting a 1% annual wealth tax, for example, on families that have uh, fortunes, the NDP language, of over $20 million. He said the Liberals had already taxed uh, the country's top 1%, and that's what they would do. But some of the other suggestions that Singh um, has talked about, like making web giants like Amazon and Google and Facebook um, pay taxes, those are actually things that the Liberal government is looking at. But this idea of uh, a super wealth excess tax on people who've who've benefited from the pandemic um, is a no-go for the Liberal government. 
All right. Althea, great to have your analysis on all of this today. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving. Oh, Mark, thank you to you and your family as well. Happy Thanksgiving in whatever format you will be celebrating it. (laughs) Thanks, Althea. Thanks. That is Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. Our government outlined a plan to create and protect thousands of good middle-class jobs and build a stronger, more resilient economy. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At Policy Options, Sean Spear, Drew Fagan, and Luca Glosich argue recovery plans must be built on a foundation of economic growth. They write, The notion of build back better has come to define the policy debate about post-pandemic planning. It reflects the idea that governments should use their recovery plans to hasten major economic, social, and technological changes. But this will only be possible if we can achieve higher rates of economic growth and productivity. Build back better, in short, must be built on a foundation of economic growth. In the Globe and Mail, Tanya Talaga asks, How much more pain does Canada need to see before progress is made for Indigenous people? Talaga writes, Canada's governments and institutions weren't created with serving Indigenous people in mind. We see abuses repeated every day. How much more proof does Canada need to see in order to understand that its institutions treat Indigenous people as second-class citizens? How many more times do we need to point out that Canada needs to stop treating Indigenous people as the ones with the problem? In the Financial Post, Paul Deegan argues that when the CEO is sick, honesty is the best policy. Deegan writes, How the Trump White House has handled the president's bout of coronavirus should give pause to anyone who heads an organization. When it comes to disclosing an issue related to a chief executive's health, the president and his team have provided a textbook example of what not to do. Walking back on comments and dodging questions erodes public trust and confidence. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will make an announcement and speak with the media, along with Finance Minister Christia Freeland, Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau, Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominique Leblanc, and Health Minister Patty Haidu. Also today, live interviews with the Prime Minister will air on radio stations in Sudbury and Windsor, Ontario. And Transport Minister Marc Garneau and Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne will announce an investment in the movement of goods to international markets. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, October the 9th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Tuesday morning after the long weekend. Have a great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>